Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Washington Wellness Podcast, where we talk about all things wellness, including health, fitness, and well-being to help improve your quality of life. I'm your host, Dr. Jamal Jackson, physical therapist and entrepreneur. This podcast is for general information only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician or other qualified health provider regarding any health conditions or concerns. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Washington Wellness. Tonight, I'm here with Dr. Mwata Dyson. Dr. Dyson, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me on this evening. All right, thank you for being here. Dr. Mwata Dyson is a physician, consultant, and digital health enthusiast with over 20 years of experience in healthcare. He has practiced medicine in academic centers and private practice, as well as worked with Fortune 500 companies to create healthy practices in the workforce. Dr. Dyson is the founder of NutriLounge, an IV hydration and nutrition practice located in Washington, D.C., that delivers clinical concentrations of nutrients to help aid in the natural healing process. Dr. Dyson is also the host of the Digital HealthCast, a podcast that showcases healthcare pioneers innovating modern-day medicine. A native of Chicago, Dr. Dyson began his career as an anesthesiologist. After finishing his residency at the University of Illinois, he served as a medical director in a private practice setting in Phoenix, Arizona. Later, he served as an assistant professor in the Department of Anesthesiology at the State University of New York, Stony Brook. Dr. Dyson completed a master's in health policy and management at Columbia University and spent over a decade working as a management consultant, public speaker, and entrepreneur, focusing on prevention, wellness, and building quality health systems. Dr. Dyson has served as the chief medical correspondent for the ABC television morning show, Sonoran Living in Phoenix, Arizona. He has also worked as a national television correspondent, delivering in-depth health reports for CNBC, CNN, and MSNBC television networks. Dr. Dyson, you're very accomplished. That's an amazing bio. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Dr. Jackson, it's a pleasure to be on with you today. Love all the work that you're doing, bringing wellness to the DMV. Thank you so much. I really like that digital health cast about your podcast. So that's very interesting. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, I kind of got into digital health probably about 10 or 15 years ago with a, uh, a colleague of mine. So particularly in our neighborhood on the south side of Chicago, which is predominantly middle to lower class and African-American, we wanted to have a platform where the few of us who were physicians and represented our neighborhoods had ways to accompany people back in our neighborhoods to make sure they were getting adequate medical care. Um, since that time, obviously, there's been a huge digital revolution, and it's just one of the things I feel that's beneficial to maintaining health and wellness. Awesome. That's so very important. So Thanks. tonight, I really want to talk to you kind of a little bit about uh, what you have going on with Nutri-Lounge. And so if you don't mind, can you share with our audience just a little bit about the background of it and how you got started with it? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned in the bio, I'm an anesthesiologist. Uh, so I've placed a few hundred thousands of IVs during my time. It really got born out of uh, professional, um, professional experience and from a personal need. Um, I'll kind of start with the professional side of it. There were days where, especially if some of my colleagues and I were feeling a little sluggish, 
that we would periodically give each other IVs, right? It was one of the things that we did to kind of maintain these 24-hour, 30-hour work days. Um, while I was a resident, I had the pleasure of working with my program director um, in utilizing magnesium specifically in the operating room as a muscle relaxant. Uh, you're a health professional yourself. You know that medicine a lot of times is um, retroactive. Like we kind of respond to things sometimes too late after something bad has happened. And we were dealing with a number of patients who are overweight. As many people know now in America, we have an obesity issue. Uh, pharmaceutical agents are what we call fat soluble, meaning that if you give a lot of it, it can sit in fat tissues. Our responsibility as anesthesiologists are not just to put people to sleep. Mm -hmm. So we were having prolonged um, ventilation times and sending people to the floor specifically like gastric bypasses. And in one episode, we ended up having an immortality. And what we learned from it was that we had to find a balance. We had to find some art in the science of how much medicine we were given. And it couldn't be just purely dependent on pharmacodynamics, right? So magnesium kind of came into play and that was that nutrient where we're able to decrease the dosages of anesthetics and muscle relaxant and get them out of the hospital faster. Um, so that was kind of like the professional realm that kind of got me, hey, you've been doing IVs. That was my first introduction to nutrients. Um, personally, I can tell you that I had some episodes within the healthcare system that made me feel a little disgruntled and I ended up being saved by nutrients. Wow, okay. So what had happened for me was that I ended up having uh, some pain in my neck probably from years of bending over patients on the operating table, trying to put in endotracheal tubes and a radiculopathy going down my right arm and I'm right-handed. Mm -hmm. This uh, continuous pain, you know, uh, like a sharp pain that was going down my hand. I didn't have any loss of motor function, but it was limiting. My primary care doctor who also told me that I was pre-diabetic and she wanted to put me on you know, a lifetime supply of uh, diabetic medications. So you know, I thought this was kind of interesting because at no point did she ever ask about my lifestyle. She didn't right. ask about my regimens. So not interesting that she just didn't do it because we know that happens. It's interesting that she did it and she knew that I was a physician and that still didn't prompt her to do it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. So I got referred to a chiropractor and uh, it was working with him that he started turning me on to some nutrients that ultimately not only decreased the pain, the pain completely went away. Um, I had a complete utilization of my arm back to baseline where I was before I had this problem. Um, that nutrient, if you don't mind talking about a little bit, was alpha lipoic acid for anybody who's interested and may not know about it. But as he started to educate me on that nutrient in particular and how it increased insulin sensitivity, how I was able to better um, monitor my glucose levels, it just made a big difference. And had I not had that interaction with him, you know, I would be on medications probably to this day. So that was a, you know, an eye-opening moment for me because I felt that, again, the healthcare system could have failed me 
And if I had not had access to other means, then I would have kind of fallen down this sleeps, uh, slippery slope that many of us do. So from there um, was born Neutral Lounge. You know, at least the idea and the concept of it. Um, I didn't see it that much on the East Coast, um, but I felt like there was a need and I wanted to fill that void. Yeah, that's so interesting. You mentioned a number of key things there, I thought. One, just how this whole idea of pain Pain is such a you know, multifactorial thing that we know. It's not just kind of you know, what's going on with your anatomy. It's also about what's going on in your life and your lifestyle. So it's important to kind of look at that, those things as well. Um, I thought it was great how you had that chiropractor kind of, you know, kind of discuss those things with you. Um, and just because you know, one person says one thing, that doesn't mean that's the final answer. You know, sometimes it's always great to get like a second opinion. So just having all those other people kind of come to you and discuss and take the time to talk with you was very, very important. Now, you mentioned uh, a few nutrients there. What are some common nutrient deficiencies that you kind of see in your patients? Right. Nutrient deficiency in general are dependent on a number of factors. Um, we talked about lifestyle earlier. Um, in one example, uh, genetics, uh, people who are taking medications and then just uh, based on um, work, environmental uh, toxins that the individual may be exposed to. So uh, if I can say there's some universal things, you know, that I see, there's really two that kind of stand out for me. The first being magnesium, um, one that I've, I've mentioned earlier before, and you probably will hear me mention it a lot today because I am a bit proponent of magnesium supplementation. Um, and I believe the reason we see a lot of that is we know that 75% of the people on an American diet do not meet um, the daily recommended allowances. Understanding that even a lot of the fruits and vegetables that we eat today are depleted in magnesium because the soil just isn't as rich as it used to be, you know, tens if not hundreds of years ago. Um, so magnesium probably being the biggest one. Um, and another one is B12. You know, uh, B12 kind of surprised me before, at least with Western clinical training, the only time that would really raise a red flag for me is if people were uh, vegetarians or if they were vegans. Um, now we're seeing an, you know, an abundance of people, again, back to the obesity thing, if they've had gastric bypass surgery, they had a part of their stomach removed that secretes a protein that is mandatory in order to bind to B12 so that you can absorb it in your intestines um, as well as uh, people with reflux, uh, people with, um, you know, GERD, them taking antacids. So the antacids themselves, again, is blocking the secretion of the intrinsic factor of this protein. And again, it's affecting our ability to absorb vitamin B12. So numerous different deficiencies we see there, but the B12 and the magnesium really pop out in my mind. So those are some of the uh, kind of common deficiencies you see. Well, let's say someone has that and they're unaware of it. What are some signs or you know, symptoms that they can recognize in themselves and say, hey, maybe this is something I heard about on the podcast today? Right. So magnesium is the one a lot of people do not know they're deficient in. And I believe the reason being is that magnesium plays an important role in pretty much every organ in the body. I uh, typically tell our clients it affects everything from the head to the toe. We've been able to identify at least 300 different enzymatic reactions that are dependent upon magnesium in order to function normally. So 
these individuals could come in with anything from a decrease in energy, um, poor sleep, um, decrease in focus, loss of appetite, nausea, a host of different cardiovascular issues, magnesium, much like the alpha lipoic acid that I've mentioned earlier, helps to increase insulin sensitivity. So people who have difficulties maintaining their blood sugar levels, it could also be due to magnesium uh, deficiencies. Um, and some individuals who come in with just severe uh, muscular pain, um, muscle spasms, kind of a range of some of the symptoms that some people should be looking at and saying, hey, you know, do I have a magnesium deficiency too? Yeah, that's so interesting. As a physical therapist, I have patients who come in with some of these things, you know, like muscle spasms or kind of aches and pains here. And then I'll definitely do my, you know, initial evaluation and kind of screen for certain you know, red flags and look throughout their history. And sometimes it can be kind of the medications they're taking or kind of their lack of kind of vitamins in their diet when they say, you know, what they're eating. So definitely learn about this will help for sure. Um, it's so interesting because you can have these aches and pains that aren't coming just from that tissue. It may be something else that's going on. It's always kind of educate the patient to kind of keep the whole body approach in mind. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's kind of tricky because we can have people who, who don't know, they could have their clinician actually draw a blood sample and take a look at their serum levels and the serum levels could be actually normal. The problem with that is the predominant amount of magnesium in our body is not in the serum. It's in the cell, so it's an inaccurate interpretation. So you could have not know about it, get blood drawn, those come back normal, but you could still have a low cellular level at it. And mm -hmm. that could be uh, and that could be showing those clinical or maybe subclinical uh, symptoms that the person may be exhibiting. Dr. Dyson, I love it. I learned so much from you already. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> now, so for you with your nutrition business, um, doing IV hydration nutrition therapy, what would you say are some of the benefits of offering this type of service? Sure. Yeah, we're able to give clinical doses, meaning high doses of nutrients, um, and we're able to do it quickly. So when I use the word clinical and high dose, the first benefit is we're able to bypass the gut. Because we're able to do that, we're able to make sure that 100% of what we give gets to the cells where they are needed the most. So the number one benefit is the bioavailability. Um, we compare that to taking supplements orally. We know that the body will absorb 30 to 20% if you have normal bowel function. Um, so, you know, there's no comparison in terms of the, the concentration that we can give in one sitting. Um, the second thing is, uh, and, and, and this relates to the, just the route of administration is, because we're giving it IAV, we can give you nutrients and or we can give you hydration. And when I kind of describe our services, I kind of describe them as being one of the two things. Now, as far as kind of your ideal candidate, let's say, you know, someone's interested what would make them a good candidate for these services? Well, you know, the interesting thing is all of the nutrients that we give in Nutrilounce, they are water soluble. I mentioned fat soluble earlier when I was talking about the pharmaceuticals and it kind of sits in your body for an extended period. Well, that's not the case with water soluble. Um, regardless of how high, high the doses are that we give you, 
when your cells top off, any excess is then secreted in the urine. So you can't overdose on it. Um, you can't have any, um, there shouldn't be any toxicity associated with it. Now, those individuals who can't tolerate the volume are those who tend to have end organ damage, uh, people with congestive heart failure, uh, people with kidney disease and they're on dialysis. So those are probably the two biggest buckets where we're like, this would not be a good idea, you know, for you. Um, and, you know, when we say the same thing for pregnant patients and those who are breastfeeding as well, just understanding how these nutrients can cross the placenta um, and they can also be found in breast milk and these high dose concentrations, we wouldn't want to access the fetus and or the newborn uh, to such heavy loads. I got to say some of the terms you're using, so, you know, like solubility, uh, bioavailability, I was talking about certain acids. It's all taking me back to the PT school. I can kind of see my professor right in front of me. <laughs> I remember sitting in classes in biochem and that stuff just kind of going, you know, in through one ear and out the other. And when I started practicing medicine, it, it didn't come into play as much, um, but it's full front and center now. So uh, hopefully it reminded you of some of the better days when you were studying. It was like, I couldn't wait to kind of put some of that knowledge into practice. Oh yeah, definitely. It's all coming full circle for sure. So you mentioned uh, the nutrition therapy, the IV uh, therapy. What kind of services do you provide kind of specifically? Yeah, so, you know, people who typically come in for hydration services are severely dehydrated. Mm -hmm. People who may have had food poisoning and they've had, you know, a few bouts of vomiting and or maybe diarrhea. People who are marathon triathletes, um, a lot of these college professional athletes, you know, they're burning through fluids and electrolytes at a pretty rapid rate. Um, so for the hydration services, you know, we give, we give big bags of fluid and I use the word turn big in comparison to the bags that we use for the nutrient therapies. Um, and these typically are thousand milliliter bags um, and they contain Many of the nutrients that we know are contained within gastric content, so if they're lost, we know that we can replace them quickly. And the same thing with excessive sweat loss, you know, so sodium, chloride, magnesium, uh, calcium, uh, potassium, uh, these type of things. With the uh, nutrient infusions, we have a range of things. So um, we give intramuscular injections, B vitamins, um, we give an antioxidant called glutathione quite frequently, uh, branch chain amino acids, um, and there are some other proteins that aid in uh, sleep, such as like uh, glycine, uh, weight loss, such as uh, uh, glutamine um, and um, L-carnitine. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you cover a wide range of services there for sure. Glutathione, that's one thing I saw on your website quite frequently. Can you uh, discuss just a little bit more about kind of what it is and what exactly is used to treat? Uh, so glutathione is a protein that is produced in the body. So we naturally make it in our liver and in our lungs. Um, and its primary function is to work as an antioxidant. Um, it uh, helps to boost our immune system. Um, one of the problems with it is that when we need it the most, it gets used really quickly and or it's just not available. Um, things that kind of push us to having low levels of glutathione are things such as aging, 
uh, stress, exposure to environmental toxins, which you know can range from a lot of things that we do on a daily basis. You know, everything from soaps and shampoos to lotions and potions, like even preservatives and foods, like all these types of things can start to strip away the glutathione and therefore making us, you know, susceptible to underlining uh, cellular degeneration, increasing our risk of disease and uh, suppressing our immune system. So that's what it does pretty much in a nutshell and how it works. It's probably the second or third most common thing people will come in new lounge for. Um, and I believe the reason for that is understanding how important it is, it's difficult to get into our diet. They have oral supplementation for it, but it's such a large molecule. By the time it is, uh, well, the digestion process starts in our stomach, is very little to trace amounts to be absorbed into our bloodstream. So it renders it pretty much ineffective to take it orally. Mm -hmm. um, so coming in and to be able to do it as an IV or intramuscular um, dosage uh, becomes pretty beneficial. Yeah, I can see that for sure. One thing I'm doing kind of with the, all the guests that are coming on the show, just because we're in this, you know, pandemic still that's been going on for, you know, eight, nine months now, I ask every guest a question kind of related to COVID-19. And, uh, and so in your kind of research or just in your free time, have you come across any evidence stating, you know, what vitamins may be beneficial in either one, kind of decreasing the risk or minimizing complications from COVID-19 if someone were to get it? Yeah, so to answer your question, um, the first clinical trial I saw introduced was by Wuhan University uh, Hospital. And they had submitted a trial specifically looking at high-dose vitamin C and its effect on decreasing the severity of COVID in hospitalized patients. Mm -hmm. Now, those trials are, were in phase two, um, so the results have not been published at this, at this moment. Um, there are some other smaller trials uh, that are out there that are looking at vitamin C as well as melatonin. They are not uh, very highly powered studies, meaning they're either not randomized controls, they may be looking at smaller sample sizes, um, or uh, another one I saw where all the participants were healthy. Uh, now, I don't believe that this disproves that they could be beneficial um, because from an observational study, people in these institutions are seeing positive outcomes. And that was the reason uh, to push for more validity by uh, proposing these clinical trials. Now, with that being said, there are two trials right now that are in phase three, and they are looking at vitamin D specifically and its um, impact on severity, hospitalizations, and mortality. One of those hospitals here in the United States, that's Harvard Medical School, and they, it is a randomized control study. Um, they do have a very large sample size with 2,700 participants, um, all of them over the age of 30 and having at least, I believe, two comorbidities. So um, it is a very highly powered study. So that's very promising. And the study itself was looking at the impact of taking oral vitamin D once a day 
uh, for four weeks after someone has tested positive within 72 hours. Um, the other university that's also in phase three that I mentioned is in London, I believe it's uh, Queen Mary University Hospital. Um, and they have a sample size, I believe twice the size of that in Harvard. I think it's about 6,000 participants. Um, and both of them should have some results released end of March, I think for Harvard and end of June for Queen Mary. So, you know, very promising things coming down the pipeline. Obviously COVID still being very new to not just uh, all of us in the country, but us as healthcare practitioners. So there's still a lot to learn, but um, a lot of promising things. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I thought it was really interesting about the vitamin C and the vitamin D. We actually had a guest on a few episodes ago who was talking about uh, vitamin D and how it's just the deficiency of it is so prevalent in America in general. Um, and we talked about, you know, things we could do like, you know, supplementation or, you know, getting sunlight, um, those sorts of things. So I thought that was very, very informative as well, what you just said. And now as far as um, for all our listeners out there thinking about kind of, you know, the words used using like the randomized controls trial, that is, you know, one of the higher levels of evidence. So when we say things like that, that means it has a little more kind of backing to it. Um, and then also I thought it was important how you mentioned the study having patients with comorbidities. That really speaks to the generalizability of the study because in America, most of us have a comorbidity, one if not you know, another. Um, so testing on just healthy people wouldn't really kind of translate well to the overall population. So I thought it was great you really mentioned all those things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because those things are important, right? We want to see people get better by introducing therapies that don't produce harm. Um, and in order to do that, we need to be able to replicate, you know, who we are as people. Now, because we are in a crisis now, as we see different pharmaceutical treatments from um, retrovirals that are used for things non-COVID related to even uh, GI medicines uh, without going through randomized trials specifically for COVID, you know, I really believe that the takeaway is that we don't validity of a particular nutrient prevent us from implementing it into our treatment protocols. And, and, and the reason I say that is because not that it's ubiquitous, but there's hospitals around the country that are, I don't want to say secretly, but they are using many of these nutrients as part of their protocol protocols in treating sepsis. Hmm. Um, there is a protocol called the math plus protocol right now that many hospitals are using and it composes of the m is methoprednisolone which is a steroid the a is ascorbic acid which is vitamin c the t is thymine which is vitamin b1 uh, h is heparin and plus is vitamin d um, zinc and melatonin so it's not as vividly publicized in the media as it is as vaccinations, like we turn the TV every day and all we hear is vaccinations, you know, or we hear steroids or we hear retrovirals, but they're giving vitamin C too. They're giving thymine too. They're giving zinc, they're giving melatonin. It's just not giving the same light of day. So um, it's being used for a reason. And that's because they're seeing results. All right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's definitely good to know because truthfully, that's the first I've heard of it, which you just mentioned there. So it's definitely not getting that same publicity kind of that you mentioned. And now 
With your uh, practice, if I understand correctly, do you have a uh, kind of physical location and you also do mobile concierge services as well? So there was a time pre-COVID where we did uh, mobile concierge visits. At the present, I believe that the risk outweighs the benefit of not only um, my team going to someone house, someone's house, uh, many of the nurses work in the ICU still. So if there was an increased risk of cross contamination between a patient and someone, it could happen with them. We wouldn't want them carrying over there. Um, and it's difficult for me to kind of monitor if they don't actually come into the center. Um, and then the same thing for us, we want to protect ourselves. It's difficult for us to be able to accurately assess who does and who doesn't have it when we get into their homes. So for that reason, all of our clients are coming to us because when you come into neutral lounge, we do a pre-screening with questionnaires before people come in. Plus we've implemented not only hand sanitation and other measures within our center, we have control of our ventilation system where we have HEPA filters. So we're able to hit contact um, surfaces and hit air and that's under our control. And that you know, gives us a, uh, a level of satisfaction and relief that you know, people will be safe. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you're attacking it from all angles. You know, one thing just about this vaccine, excuse me, not the vaccine, but the coronavirus, is that we've heard things you know, like wear a mask, that's good, you know, stay six feet apart, that's good. But it's key to think about the ventilation, like you mentioned. Um, something else that I saw recently was the level of kind of activity that's going on in the area as well add that all into the uh, kind of overall equation. Um, so there's a lot to think about. Uh, so I'm glad you kind of touched on that for sure. Absolutely. I'll tell you, and we've got a lot of pushback from it. A lot of people are, have not been happy. Uh, we limit the number of people who come into this, just leave their practice. We mentioned the hand washing, the mask, but the social distancing becomes, you know, very important. Um, when the, the mindset of Nutrilounce was really not just making the nutrients and the hydration readily available, but we wanted to make it readily available um, and, and immediate, right? So if someone wanted to come in and have an appointment today that they could, and we've had to scale back and tell a lot of people, no, well, you can't come in because we need ample time to protect you, you know, to make sure that you're safe when you come in. So yeah, we, it's, it's kind of bad for business because you're pushing people away, but again, we're here to make people you know, healthy and we're trying to keep people safe. I love that perspective. All right, Dr. Dyson, I wanna thank you so much for being on the show tonight. It's been so great having you. I truly feel like I've learned some things just from talking to you and I hope our listeners will as well. Now, if someone wants to kind of get in contact with you or reach out to you on the internet or social media, do you have like any uh, links or anything you can kind of give where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if they want to learn more about Nutri-Lounge, they can go to N-U-T-R-I-Lounge.com. Um, you can also follow me on any of the social media platforms at Mwata Dyson. So that's M-W-A-T-A-D-Y-S-O-N. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and LinkedIn. Check out the, uh, the new digital health podcast when you get a chance as well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm definitely going to do that. All right, Dr. Dyson, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it once again. And to all of our listeners, stay well. Hey, DMV Wellness community. Thank you so much for listening to the Washington Wellness Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like the content that you've heard and would like to continue with us on this wellness journey, 
then please join our Facebook group, Washington Wellness Community, to connect with other listeners, future local experts, and to discuss today's episode.